0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church, located in Walnut Creek, California. I wanna say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. If you're brand new, I'm Tyler. I'm the pastor here. We are in the middle of a series, Tyler, I believe. Uh, Before I start, I just feel like I gotta give respect to respect. Uh, I'm a Seahawks fan, Seahawks play today. Where my Hawks fans at? Come on out for you. But to my Niner fans, congratulations. All right, tip of the cap. Uh, Raider fans, I mourn with you, all right? <laughs> celebrate with those who celebrate, mourn with those who mourn. Um, yeah, it's tough. But hey, uh, thank, thank God that sports are really nothing in the grand scheme of things. They're nothing. But I found all these things to be garbage to the infinite value of knowing Christ. I was a sports fanatic, cared more about when teams lost than when actually uh, Jesus was saving souls and got, got a hold of my life. And so if you're a sports fan, it's a great thing. I just want you know, Jesus is better. Can I get an amen for that? So we're in the middle of a series titled, I Believe. Everybody say, I believe. believe. We started last week, I Believe in Revival. I'd highly recommend it. I thought it was a pretty good message. And one to 10, I give it an eight. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but I'm doing that. Um, And so uh, today, I have another message for I Believe. And here's the whole heart behind the the series. We really believe this, that your beliefs will affect your behaviors. It's gonna affect just the way that you live your life. If you believe in something, it's gonna uh, um, shape the lens of your life on how you see things and receive things. And one of my favorite moments in all of the Bible is in John 11, it's Lazarus, and Jesus shows up on the scene, and he just says, Lazarus, come forth. I even love what Augustine said. If, he said, if Jesus wouldn't have said Lazarus, and he would have said, come forth, all the dead bodies would have raised that day, because that's the authority our Savior has. He's being specific, Lazarus, come forth. And it's the picture really of salvation. When you come to church, you start hearing words like justification, glorification, sanctification, and sanctification is vivification and mortification. You're also gonna hear about vacation, a lot of good-cations, okay? But this picture of Lazarus really is a justification and, and sanctification picture. It's, it, he's taken him from death to life. So he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus is dead. Here's the one that has authority over death, the resurrection Jesus, wakes up from death, starts walking out of the grave. It's an amazing picture. And then Jesus says, take the grave clothes off. And the the grave clothes, the theologians show us, this physical picture of what's happened in the spiritual, it's the sanctification process. Because when you get saved, have you ever met somebody who's saved? Like, let's say your boss is saved and they've been saved for a year, but man, they're still a jerk. Like, how can you be saved and still be a jerk? You know what they got? They got grave clothes on them still. Then you take the grave clothes off. And the I Believe series is you got some, some worldly mindsets that need to be replaced with heavenly mindsets. you got some, some deathly uh, wounds that, that the way that you were rejected from your father and friends, you still got that grave clothes on you, so when you come to church, you feel rejected by everybody, so you don't even know how to get in a small group. Take the grave clothes off. Put the heavenly mindset on. You are chosen, you are accepted, and you are wanted by the King of Kings. Some of you come in the house and you've got a critical mindset, some just critical everything. It's hard for you to worship because you can be worshiping in a song. I used to have critical grave clothes on my life. And I'd be worshiping songs and I would be proofreading the song. Theologically, how does that line up? And so I'd be like, I love you. Hold on a second, I don't like that line. So I couldn't even worship in the three songs because I had grave clothes of criticalness on my life. Doesn't mean that we don't make sure our songs are theologically correct. But to the critical ones, man, life sucks being critical. Just... Throw it out. Live with grace. Not not, not with a license to do anything, but live with the grace of of understanding that, like, ask the question afterwards, but man, enjoy your God. So I believe today is, we're gonna take the grave clothes off. That's the whole thing through this whole series. It's it's the sanctification, because the grave clothes, what what it means is, is vivification. Vivification is, if you wanna change your life, you gotta change what you think. It's the renewing of the mind. Mortification is the killing of the flesh. It's killing the things that were killing you. You know that God wants to make you, but the world wants to maim you? It's just the reality of it. The world wants to destroy you. And so uh, today's, today's, uh, today's message is I believe in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come on, come on. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, John uh, 14, 15 through 17 says this If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. helper. Oof to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you." Man, that is some theological stuff, bam. I don't know about you, but uh, asking for help is not my strong suit. Even when we were planning the church, our first interest service, I didn't want to inconvenience anybody, so I rented the U-Haul, went and picked up the U-Haul, then loaded the U-Haul, helped unload the U-Haul, helped load it up. And I remember, I was, okay, I'm going to preach those two. I want to greet also, and so I just didn't want to ask anybody else to pick up the U-Haul. I thought it'd be like rude of me. Like I'm the pastor, I can't ask for help. I just I got to do all of this, and it's amazing, and everybody will be impressed with how much I do and how much they're not doing. I hated our first interest service. This I almost quit right there. I was like, I'm not doing. it. I'm done. I'm done. It was so it was so breaking trying to do everything on my own in my little sphere. Our, our, my biggest fights, if I'm being honest, is when my wife offers her help to me. I'll be parking and she's like, would you like some help? I, 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 like, literally, I just feel like you're just mocking like, my manliness right there. You know what I'm saying? And I'll be doing something else. Oh, would you like me to help? Oh, you think I'm not good enough to do it on my own, huh? Does anybody else feel this way when somebody offers help? Is it just me? Okay, I guess I got some problems to work on. Pray for me, all right? <laughs> it's hard to ask for help. Jesus says, I'm going to send you the helper. The helper. Not only is it hard to ask for help, but then it's hard to find the right help. It's hard to, to go to the places to actually know where to find help. And, and what I mean by that is, and it was just, it's a Henry Ford quote. Who saw Ford, Ford versus Ferrari? Great movie, huh? yeah? Awesome. Um, good talk. Okay, that's me again, doing just things I shouldn't be doing during service. Um, if I had asked people, this is what Henry Ford said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for faster horses. Henry Ford, if you don't know who that is, 1908, he created this thing called the Model T. It's a car that would go way faster, take you further and faster, make life way better. It would help you in life. And he said, if I would ask the people what they wanted, they would have said, faster horses, more horses. And if, I, if I'm just being honest, if, if, if God actually gave us the vote, what do you want more of? What do you want from me? Some would say, I just, I just need more money. I need more money. If I had more money, I'd go further, faster. Well, I just need more time. If I had more time, I'd go further, faster. You know what I need? I need more smart people in my life. I need more this and more that. And God's going, I'm so glad I didn't ask you because you would ask for all the wrong things. You would ask for a faster horse. I don't wanna give you a faster horse. I wanna give you a game changer. It's the Holy Spirit. It's gonna help you in your life. And so us, we, we're looking everywhere for help. And again, I mean, we've heard this term. Go into a uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, there used to be a thing called Borders. I mourn for them. Uh, but go to a Barnes and Noble. Or Amazon Books. Amazon put them all out of business and then opened up their own Amazon Books. Straight like Darth Vader status, but whatever. (laughs) Um, So go to Amazon Books now, and a whole part of the bookstore will be self-help. It'll be a whole self-help section. Bestseller after bestseller. Year after year, a new one comes out because the last one wasn't sufficient enough. Because there's no self-help book that can change your life. Christianity's not about self-help. It's about death to life. It's about making all things new. It's about going from bondage to freedom, from, 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 from hopelessness to hope. The Holy Spirit can do things you can never do. Do you guys want the Holy Spirit this morning? Yep. Yeah. Anybody bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at the church. And Lord, as we talk about you, Holy Spirit, as we talk about you, may, may we be ready to receive what your word shows about who you are. May we. I love what Stephen says in Acts 7. He says, to the Sanhedrin, to the to the smart ones, to the academics, the 71, how long will you resist the Holy Spirit? Or may we not resist you, but may we receive the gift that you gave. Oh, that you want to live in our life, that you want to lead us, that you want to help us. So Father, Mission Church, we declare today, will you help us? Will you do what you can only do? Will you change what only you can change? Will you lift what only you could lift? Will you revive what only you could revive? Oh, we love you, we love you. Everybody said? Amen. So I got uh, five points today, uh, so buckle up. Uh, one is... Not what is the Holy Spirit, but who is the Holy Spirit, okay? So that's, that's going to be our first question. And then the next one we're going to talk about is where is the Holy Spirit? So we're going to say who is the Holy Spirit, where is the Holy Spirit? And we're going to talk about how. We're going to talk about the where the who, the where the how. And then we're going to talk about the what, now what. Does that sound good? Uh, I was preparing my message just to give you a heads up. This will not be some huge um, academic unpacking of the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, I think religious people want to make it an academic conversation. Um, uh, just in religious uh, and also religious or academic, just like, well, what what do you think the Holy Spirit is? First of all, he's not a thing, it's a person. Uh, I I was, um, this last few weeks, I, you know, I'll I'll get on Facebook once in a while, Twitter and Instagram, and there was a church that was praying for something, and then there was another church that was uh, arguing, and I was looking at just all the exchanges they're going back and forth and back and forth. And They're like, well, this pastor said this as actually what th- this scripture means. And they are like, no, this pastor says this is what this scripture means about the Holy Spirit. And then they're like, no, this theologian says this. And then on the other side, no, this theologian says this. And I felt like I just had this picture of the Holy Spirit in me like, I'm right here. Stop talking about me. I'm in the Bible and you're taking some theologian as the ultimate authority in the canon, stop listening to some pastor you really like on who the Holy Spirit is. Go to the Word of God. Yeah. That, 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 that should be your ultimate authority. I, I, to be honest, I'm not even a big fan of commentary Bibles because it's one person's bent. I like reading 10 commentaries. Good luck having time for that, but just do it, okay? Okay. Because what happens is, is you'll have one Bible like, well, this is what it says about this and this. And you're like, that's one person's lens that maybe our card stacking, or this is how they see it. Man. So I'm not gonna go back and forth and be like, this theologian said this, and this theologian said, I, I don't I got time for that. We're trying to change the world. If you want to go debate those things, then have a Mars Hill moment like Paul's most least fruitful moment in his ministry is when he went to go debate with people. I'm not trying to debate with people, I'm trying to build a kingdom. And so the Holy Spirit's a person. It's who. He has attributes. It's the third person in the Trinity. And that person of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that he doesn't just want to come to earth and just live around you and be the neighbor down the street. He actually wants to dwell in you. So who the Holy Spirit is is a person. And if you don't believe that, it's going to affect the way that you process the Holy Spirit. That's why I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that he lives in my life, that I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. So where does he live? Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is an amazing moment. Paul, God is using him to, to write a letter to paper. The Spirit of God is literally using him to write Scripture because all Scripture is God-breathed. The Holy Spirit, just give you a heads up, the Greek word in the New Testament is pneuma. The Old Testament word is ruah. So when you ever see breath or breathe or wind, it's, it's, it's talking about the Spirit of God. So it's God-breathed. So the breath of God is literally using Paul to write Scripture to us so we can understand who the Holy Spirit is. And he's saying to him, don't you realize they've gone off. This church has gone off. So, so he's coming with, with scripture. This is something that we have to hear. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and, is, uh, and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. So what's the context of this verse, even in what's happening in Corinthians? Well, they are sleeping around. The Corinthians are sleeping around. They are doing whatever they want their body to do. And if I could just be honest, it's, it, again, everything that I'm gonna take from the context of the Holy Spirit, it's always gonna be relational. We have a relational God. Well, who, what do you think this whole God thing is? Jesus says he's father, relationship, father, son. Jesus uses the word father more than any other way to describe God. It's a relational father and his kids. That's who God is, it's a relational relationship. Well, who's this Jesus, what is he all about? He called himself friend. Called himself savior. He called himself servant, master. He's a relational God. He's describing all these, everything throughout his ministry. The religious people didn't, it would make their brain explode. And he'd always share parables about a father and a son or, 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 or a friend. He'd always be sharing these different relational contexts to show them it's not about a religion, it's about relationship. And the Holy Spirit. It's a person that you now you are basically married to, and then some. And, and this is like a marriage verse almost. If I could put it this way, it would be like somebody who gets married. And I find out for the last two months, they are going to the club every Friday night. Don't even tell their spouse. And at the club, they're, you know, they're dancing. I shouldn't do that right now. Um, <laughs> they're dancing. I was about to do a club dance. I was about to do a really, I was about, you know, I was about to back it up. okay. Um, and so, yeah. forgive me. Forgive me. Uh, it's 45, I'll polish this up for 1015. <laughs> um, they're going to the club on Friday night. And then they're sleeping around with other people. And they're like, well, what's the big deal? I know I got married, and I now I, I know I have somebody at home anytime I want to come to them. I know that I can come home to my girl when I want to, and, and she'll, we'll have dinner together when I want to have dinner. We'll be intimate when I want to be intimate. I'll, I'll have her meet my needs when I want her to meet my needs, but when I don't, I'm just going to go to the club and sleep with whatever I want to sleep with. And the picture of the Holy Spirit is saying, don't you realize that now you are holy and set apart? that you don't get to come to the church house. You don't get to come home. You don't get to come to the Holy Spirit whenever you want to come to the Holy Spirit and have him meet your needs. He's always going to meet your needs. The world is not where you go to sleep around. It's not where you go worship. It's not where you go have, have a good time. The Holy Spirit is everything to you, not just something to you. And they're treating him like a side dish. I, I, I used to say a lot of time when I preach on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit gets the wrong end of the deal. Everybody's down with God, like the Father. Cool, big, strong, God, you know. Jesus, yeah, Jesus. You know, I saw him with holding the sheep in a little picture. I love Jesus. But then Holy Spirit, everybody's like, I I see no pictures of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what to think about the Holy Spirit. And if I'm being honest, I think a lot of people aren't even against Holy Spirit. They're against charismatic chaos. They're against seeing people take the Holy Spirit and pervert it, and do things that aren't biblical with it. Say things in the name of the Holy Spirit that aren't even biblical. They go out of the context. So I says, test it in Scripture. And so people usually don't want to throw out the Holy Spirit. They want to throw out charismatic chaos. But my, my hope today is that you to realize that the Holy Spirit's not getting the wrong end of the deal. You're getting the wrong end of the deal if you don't have the Holy Spirit. And my, my prayer today is, don't you realize that the Holy Spirit wants to be everything to you? It wants to lead you, illuminate scripture. It Wants to empower you. It wants to help you. It wants to dwell in your life and make you something you never could make yourself. This, this is the, the role of the Holy Spirit, the person in your life. So, so that's where the Holy Spirit lives. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Not down the street. Not just when you come on Sunday. It's not like, oh, Holy Spirit right here at the altars. i got to come to the altar. No, no, no. This is what's so amazing about Christianity is that we are mobile. We are, we are one of those, um, uh, if I could be honest, you, you are so powerful that the enemy, if there's one thing the enemy would want to take away from you, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you leave church, you realize that the church cannot be contained anymore. It can't be stopped because wherever you walk, the Bible says that the enemy lives under your feet through the authority of God. Let's keep going. So we know uh, uh, who the Holy Spirit is as a person, not a thing. We know where the Holy Spirit lives in you, not just around. Now God is omniscient. He's everywhere. Um, omnipotent, all-powerful. Uh, so how does this happen? Like how, how do you have the Holy Spirit live in you? Like You're like, so you told me the Holy Spirit lives in me. Like, what, like, did he, like, sneak, like, through the back door? Like, you know, like, like, to crack the window? I'm like, hey, I live in your house now, what's up? No, 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 the Bible says that when you receive God, when you ask the Lord to come into your life and your heart, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And I think there's an amazing verse that unpacks the the process of it. And if I'm just being honest, uh, one of the theologians I was reading this week is so funny. He said, you would never found these kind of books. The last hundred years, because we live in such a consumer culture, and, and, and we make everything a commodity, um, the, the books we see now are like the three steps to be filled with the Spirit. You know, like, like five steps to be baptized by God. Like all these things like, what are you, you don't, this is no anted, like what are you doing with, like, like, like those are, that's not actually anything what it looks like. Because again, you're making the Holy Spirit a process instead of a person. The, the Holy Spirit, when you say yes to Jesus, lives in you, in discussion. And now we're going to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit. We're talk about that a little bit today. But let's talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing we see in Ephesians 5. So how does this happen? How, how does the Holy Spirit live in our life and dwell in our life? Don't act thoughtlessly. Again, I love that, just that right there. We could, we could talk about that. Don't act thoughtlessly. I think sometimes we don't think about the things that we should be thinking about in Christianity. Don't act thoughtlessly. The Holy Spirit's a big deal. You should process it, is what Paul's saying. Don't just come to church. Dah, dah, dah. Oh, I sung a song about the Holy Spirit. Okay, oh, cool. peace out. I'm good. I'll see you next week. No, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop. I love what uh, God does here. God loved using the parables. There are fake stories to, tell a, to paint a picture of who he was and what we could be. And what happens in the book of Ephesians is God would use a picture or contrasting thing. So he's contrasting two totally different things. Why would God say, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? Now, the cultural context in Ephesus at this time is that the Roman culture is big into substance abuse. I think we can kind of understand what that looks like in our culture today. They're depending on drugs and alcohol to numb uh, things that they don't wanna feel anymore. So, so what does alcohol do when you're under the influence? Man, I'm just so tormented right now. I'm just, so, I'm just so upset. I'm gonna go drink and find some peace through a bottle. So you try to find influence of peace through a bottle. Oh, I'm just, you know, I just, I, I don't know how to talk to girls and I don't even know how to ask one out, but man, when I go to the bar and I drink about three, three glasses of beer, I, I, and I call it liquid courage. Liquid courage. I drink my liquid courage, and then because I drink some alcohol later on the night, I'm more like, what's up, girl? How you doing? How you living? Yeah. And I get really courageous because I'm under the influence of alcohol. How about this? I I feel pain, and I hate the way that I feel, and I can't get away from it. I can't run from it. So what do I do? I'm going to drink to numb it. I mean, just fill the blank of why people drink. And really what happens, he's saying, this culture— is trying to find peace from a bottle. They're trying to find courage from a bottle. Oh, the brokenness of my life, all the brokenness, they're trying to drink their brokenness away. And he's saying, don't be drunk with wine. It will ruin your life. You will not find real peace there. You'll find a temporal numbing that is not from God. He goes, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that filled word, it's a progressive word. It's never ending. It's a filling. So I'm saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's say goodnight. Peace for days. The peace that you've always wanted, the Prince of Peace, the, 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 the character of God, the attribute of God now lives in you, and it starts to produce peace. You want courage? You think that you get that from yourself? No, the, 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 the Holy Spirit gives you courage. You think you want, you, want, you, you want your pain to be numbed? You want your past to be forgotten? What if God could take your past and your pain and make it a masterpiece, and there is no pain but he actually makes it a thing that shows that how great you are and how great God is because of who he made you. He makes all things new. So the Holy Spirit does. All things. I got a buddy. Uh, he, he works uh, for, he, I think, Sharp. I don't know. This is like three years ago. I think Sharp's out of business, but he was working for Sharp. Um, Sharp is a TV business. If you know that. Uh, he works for Sharp and a couple other uh, things. And he would travel. And one of his territories was like the, uh, the Wisconsin area, Michigan. And I remember just asking. I was like, "Man, like that must be crazy. Like totally different." He's like, "Oh man, Wisconsin's different." He's like, "Green Bay's different." I was like, "What do you mean different?" He goes, "He goes. I still have to put in orders for a DVD and a VHS player. They still have like video stores and they use VHS players." And I was like, "This is like I haven't seen a VHS forever." And he's like, "They just don't want to move on. They literally just they they're like just give me my VHS player. I don't want anything new." And if I could just be honest, the, the, there's a lot of people in the room where you're just like, "I don't." This even right now, like as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, I don't I don't want anything new. I don't want God to make all things new. I'll settle for the VHS player. And my, my prayer for you is that you wouldn't settle for a VHS player. Man, get Apple Plus, get Netflix. It's <laughs> so convenient. And that's really what the Holy Spirit is. It's one of these things, it's a game changer, it changes your life. It, the Holy Spirit will have you go further, faster, become something you never could in your own strength. And so he says, to be filled with the Spirit, and I I think this is interesting because if I could just share a picture of, of what it would look like, and let's just always talk from a relational context. If you read your Bible through a religious context, you're just gonna miss things like crazy. If you read it through an academic context where you're always just trying to be academic with it, you're gonna miss it. Read it through a relational lens of a God who wants a relationship with you. So now picture this, the Holy Spirit is gonna fill your life. So what would be the most relational picture that we could use in this moment? You got a new roommate when you say yes to Jesus. This roommate moves into your life. And just now picture your house. Just imagine one day you said yes to Jesus and you come home and just on your couch sitting there is the Holy Spirit. Hey, what's up? How'd you get in here? You invited me into your life. What? Yeah, I'm in your life now. This, I'm, I'm living with you forever, forever. 365, all day, every day. You said it, you asked it, you're the one who asked for it. I, 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 you asked for it. And so at first you're like, well, what do you mean you're in, in my life now? I'm, I'm going to live in this house. Now be under the influence of alcohol or be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it's fascinating because he actually shows what the influence of the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. You you know, the, the picture of alcohol, what is it always? Oh, I'm so happy and joyful! And then you start singing songs in the commercials or whatever in the movies. You know, everybody's arms around each other with a beer in their hand. They're like, hi ho, hi ho, or whatever song, you know what I'm saying? After work we go. Sorry, that's literally what popped in my head at that moment. (laughs) But what the Bible's showing us is that when you get the best roommate to move into your house, you wake up in the morning, coffee's already ready, helping everything in the house, the things that were stressing you out, the, the Holy Spirit's moving in. It's like, yeah, you just you had a lot of clutter on your table. I just moved all the clutter. I got rid of all the chaos in the kitchen for you. And so you're walking around the kitchen and, and the, the climate of your life is changing. So you start singing a little bit more. You, you walk into a room and, and where there was something that used to mock you in that room and remind you of your past, the Holy Spirit got rid of it. You could never get it out of your house, but the Holy Spirit found a way to get it out of your house. And so then you walk into that room and you just start praising God. Oh, thank you, God. I've always wanted that out of this house. I've always wanted that painting off our wall. I just couldn't get it. And the Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. And you start praising God. When you actually get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, guess what happens? He starts to make your house, a.k.a. your life, look like something you never could. His bandwidth, his authority, his strength, his wisdom, his heart for your life. Can Can I just be honest? Uh, I'm a terrible decorator. Terrible at decorating my house. Have you ever met a great decorator before? Oh, you're like, you walk into somebody's house, you're like, dang, you got a gift. Like, I mean, everything. The way you put the the with the chair and the, and the shelf and how everything's set up. Oh, you're an amazing decorator. The problem with some of you is you're a great decorator in your own life. I'm a bad decorator. I know I need the Lord to de- decorate my life. I can't do it. I'm terrible at, at decorating my life. But some of you are like, oh, I'm pretty good at it. I can... I can do it myself. I know, how to, I know how to make my kitchen not so stressful. I can move enough stuff so I really don't need to ask for help. And the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and make your house into a palace because he intends to live in it. It's a C.S. Lewis quote. I love this. And as I was putting this together and looking at the picture, I finally understood this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this. He goes, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild the house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abdominally. It does not seem to make any sense. The Holy Spirit is not a butler in your house. The Holy Spirit is the authority in your house. When you, when you start to live the life that you want to live, the Holy Spirit's going to come into a room and say, I need to get rid of this. And you're gonna say, no, you can't get, don't touch this part of my life. You know, let's just say, let's say the money room. Don't touch touch this part. Oh, this is where I find my my confidence, where I find my security. Holy Spirit's like, no, I need to touch this part of your life. And it starts to hurt a little bit. Holy Spirit walks into the room where you've been betrayed, the wounds, maybe you were abused as a kid, all those things that you just try to bury deep and throw in the garage in the corner where nobody would see it. You never wanna talk about it again. The Holy Spirit goes, I've gotta deal with this. But it's gonna hurt if you deal with it. Trust me, we need to deal with this. You'll have freedom. Just le- let me do what I do. I'm the Holy Spirit. Allow me to work what I can only work in your life. It's gonna cause pain. And so he starts to move things about that cause an abdominal pain. He goes, the explanation is that he's building a quite different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to live there. My, my, my prayer for you is that you'd understand the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And again, we'll have to, we're gonna do a series on the Holy Spirit because I was looking at how much I could put in this. I was gonna unpack the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we see that in Acts, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people uh, spoke in tongues. But then another time people are baptized in the Spirit, they are filled with joy. Another time uh, they're baptized with the Holy Spirit in Corinthians it's being baptized in the church. And so a lot of people, why they're so divided on the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because they all have a different definition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit means speaking tongues. No, the baptism of the Holy Spirit means you're filled with joy. No, the baptism of the Holy Spirit means just when you're saved. No, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is actually when you go to church, because it, it says in Corinthians. That's a whole other message for another day. We'll talk about it. But today, I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit wants to live in your life and change everything. And that should encourage you, not discourage you. Yeah. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were continually filled. Continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is a continuous feeling. The more, more I don't want the Holy Spirit to become anybody's magic pill in here, by the way. All right, Holy Spirit, give me peace. On Tuesday, you're like, Tyler, he's full of crap. I got no peace. I told me, Holy Spirit brings peace. I don't know if he's in my house now. I got no peace still. <laughs> Can I just tell you the, the picture of the Holy Spirit? Uh, it says that the Holy Spirit uh, brings fruit. Imagine a person like planting a garden in your heart, it says it produces fruit. Peace, patience, kindness. It's a botanical. It's a garden look. So just because you don't see peace right now, that when you ask the Lord into your life, you have to trust that seeds of peace have now been planted in your heart. Seeds of patience and kindness and love and joy and self-control. This is the process of the Holy Spirit in your life. And and what's sad about the obstruction of the Holy Spirit, because in Thessalonica, the church was obstructing the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit. And so Paul had addressed the church at Thessalonica. Stop, stop obstructing the move of the Holy Spirit. The way that you're living your life, you're not allowing it to produce what it's supposed to produce. And so, so my prayer for you is that you would actually be committed to the process of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Just like any remodel, it takes time. You've given other things time to try to produce stuff and didn't produce anything. Give the Holy Spirit a chance. Does that sound good? Yeah. So that's um, how we allow the Holy Spirit to uh, move in. Now, I'll just, I was going to share the Holy Spirit brings power. Holy Spirit brings uh, fruit. The Holy Spirit uh, can be grieved. The Holy Spirit is a leader, and the Holy Spirit is a teacher, and the Holy Spirit convicts. I have five minutes and 45 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to pick one of these five. Does that sound good? <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll definitely do a Holy Spirit series uh, soon. I think it's, it's super important. Uh, Holy Spirit brings power. So now when the Holy Spirit moves in, it's like somebody who's visiting from a different like country. Like when we went to Europe and you see your friends, or you know when we have kids one day, the kids are like, what did you bring me home, Dad? You know? And I'd be like, oh, I brought you these shells, necklace, because it's from a beach there, and it's very, very valuable. Or this is a, a, a ring with a blue stone that can only be found in Florence, Italy. And i like, oh, wow, thank you for bringing it from Italy. That's amazing. What a gift. Well, When the Holy Spirit moves in, he brings gifts, and he brings things from where he came from. He came from heaven. And so he, he moves into the house. You're like, what did you bring me, Holy Spirit? And he's like, I am brought you this thing called power, and you're going to like it. Well, what, what do you mean? What does this power look like? And can I just be honest? Let's look at the the book of Genesis. When the world is being created, it says the Spirit was hovering over the darkness and over the waters. And when the Lord would speak, the Holy Spirit would, boom, make it happen. And so the way the universe was created was through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Israelites were stopped at the Red Sea, it says that the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, is the thing that split the Red Sea. So, so, so freedom was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at just the, the cornerstone moment of Christianity. Our, our moment of Jesus come to earth, it was a virgin that was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. If you don't, I don't want Christianity to be weird. Just right there, that's the weirdest thing ever. Just deal with it, okay? Christianity's weird, all right? A virgin had a baby named Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. So many of us, because we're in such an academic world, we're like, I want it all in a box, I don't want to be, I, I don't want this to be, I want to be able to grasp my whole mind around it. Your finite mind will never be able to wrap around an infinite God. Yeah. Never will. And so the birth of Jesus was through the Holy Spirit. And then he comes on the scene in Acts, and he says this to, uh, to his disciples. Once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you uh, the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We're the ends of the earth, by the way. Come on now. I love this verse also, Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. So there's this prayer that we would understand the power. So, so then Jesus' is, uh, uh, birth is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The church is birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, over and over again, you're going to see the Holy Spirit play a major role because the Trinity, they do everything together. They're a crew. They're, 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 they're just always, they, they work together. The the, the, the amazing um, uh, theology of the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they is a team. They, they, they are They are all about each other, glorifying each other, and doing the things that they're going to will. And so then the church is birthed with the Holy Spirit. And then, it's amazing. Every time the disciples would be walking in a new place, you know what they'd ask people? Have you, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit yet? And they'd be like, no, what is that? You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and again, you're like, why is this such a big deal throughout the Bible? The power. Because you can never do anything, anything in your own strength compared to what God can do in his strength. There's this, um, uh, there's this place, actually, near the equator called the doldrums. And it got called the doldrums, and now we actually use it as a term like, I'm just in the doldrums right now. Oh, just you know, just really stagnant, like just us, oh, the doldrums. You know? And and really just means that you hit a stagnant spot in your life. Well, the doldrums, the reason why they got that name was in the 1800s, uh, when they would have trade winds and ships would travel, there was one place near the equator that if you actually got in the middle of it, there is no wind, little to no wind. And so you would just stay in that spot by the equator, and uh, sailors would die. They're like, all right, we, we got this. There's no wind. We can't move anymore. And so what you would try to do in that moment is you would get paddles out, and you would try to paddle your way out of this doldrum area. And if I could just be honest with you, a lot of people in the house when you look even at Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit, that word filled is a progressive noun, but it's a, it's a pressure, it's, it's a breath. <laughs> be filled, it's, it's producing something and it's moving you in a place that you never would move. Some of you right now, if I'm just be honest, your marriage, you are in the doldrums. And because you're in the doldrums, you've got some paddles out. And you're like, I'm gonna make our marriage work. I'm gonna make it. We're gonna get out of the doldrums. I'm gonna get us out of the doldrums. I'm gonna do everything I can. I'm gonna paddle and paddle and paddle and paddle and paddle and tell you, I can't paddle. I'm I'm done. I'm done. I I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And there's death in the marriage because you're in the doldrums and you're paddling. Some of you, just in your own life. You say, man, I don't want to live this way. I don't like the way my life is. I don't like what's going on in my life. And so I'm just going to paddle. i it. you know, last year I worked hard, but I'm working harder in 2020. Oh, 2020 is the, the, the year where I break through with my paddle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get past that line. So you start paddling. I'm going to be everything I'm supposed to be. I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to get the promotion. I'm going to find me a girl. I'm going to find me a man, whatever it is. I'm going to get that. Oh, yes, I'm going to get a house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finally be peaceful. I'm not going to struggle with that anymore. And you paddled and, you're like... I, paddled and I was here. And um, I think I'm in the same spot. (laughs) We wonder why suicide's on a rapid rate, number two killer, in this next generation. Because if you paddled for years and you didn't move, why would you want to stick around? And the picture of the Holy Spirit, if I could just show you what God shows us through Genesis through Revelation. (laughs) It's his breath. Some of you, I just gotta tell you real quick, put the paddles down and throw your sail up and be still and know he's God. And when he wants to move you, he'll move you. When you read the word of God, it's... I was debating on sharing this, I'll share it. When I was a young pastor, late teens, I'd say like majority of guys, Struggle struggled with lust. Now everybody has a different level, but like I struggled with lust. And I remember I just was trying to paddle out of it. I just want to paddle. I don't wanna struggle with it anymore. I don't wanna struggle with it anymore. I don't wanna struggle with it anymore. And I'd make decoration after decoration. You know, I, I remember one time uh, I, I took my laptop and I broke it with a golf club, just paddling. I was like, never again. I'll never struggle with lust again with it again and then there's this moment in my early 20s where I found out that I could grieve the Holy Spirit and he lived in my life and I talked about the Holy Spirit as my teacher and I don't know if you ever met slow learners before but I sometimes was a slow learner but the thing that transformed my view on lust and what helped me overcome lust now don't go wrong temptations come and you've got to bounce your eyes and you've got to create the right mechanisms and practical steps you know in your software and in your house and we do all those things But what really changed the game for me was when I realized I had to stop paddling and I realized the Holy Spirit was in my life and I was grieving the Holy Spirit when I made those decisions. It became a relational thing in my life. And I realized I was never alone. And so I'd struggle and I'd ask the Lord, will you help me when I'm struggling? And this is just me, Lee, sharing with you what happened in my life. I feel like he always helped me get out of it. And he started strengthening me and started making my soul even more and more over sin than I ever had. It just bothered me in a way that I just didn't even want to be a part of it anymore. If if you are in the doldrums in any season of your life, give the Holy Spirit a chance to breathe on your life. Let him redecorate, redesign the things of your life. Let him speak. Because the way the Holy Spirit even works is this, is you're gonna start reading your Bible. And you're gonna have a verse come up and it's gonna say something to you. And I picture the Holy Spirit sometimes as as an alarm clock and you'll start reading it. And it'll say that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And you'll read that and just for some reason that day, you've read it like five times, but that day the Holy Spirit's like, boo, 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 boo. And you're like, the darkness has not overcome my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, you you, you you just turned the sound up on that one today. The dark, everything, my past, everything, everything that was trying to destroy me, every bad word that was spoken over my life that I wouldn't be this, that I couldn't do this, that i would never become this, you just illuminated it. I'm just starting to realize that the light is actually bigger than the darkness, AKA, that my, my sin was big, but his love is bigger, that, that my, my, my insecurities are big, oh, but his confidence it's bigger, You're, the light's bigger. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to boo, 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 boo. That's going to annoy you, right? (laughs) How was church today? This week, just allow the Holy Spirit to be part of your whole life. Just say, I don't want to quench you this week. I I don't want to turn the faucet off. I don't want to obstruct you. Go on a journey and find out who the Holy Spirit is. as a person. Don't make this an academic thing. Read the Bible and make it a relational thing. Will you bow your heads with me?